Hello, everyone. I'm George Davis, and I, too, want to thank you for joining us uh, for this service of the Hershey Free Church this 4th of July weekend. Uh, This morning, uh, we're starting a new sermon series, and as we do, if you've got a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. We're starting a new series entitled Live Well. And uh, really to introduce this series, to start us off, I actually want to show you what what may seem to be a, a rather odd picture. So uh, here you see this guy, I think you can see it hopefully, this stick figure, and you may wonder, what on earth is that? Well, let let me give you a little context. Uh, What you are looking at is a piece of art, actually a wall drawing from an ancient Christian house church that was found in in the city known as Dural Europus, which is located in present-day Syria. And and here's what you're actually looking at. I, I, I realize this may not seem to be an impressive drawing, but what you are looking at is the oldest known depiction of Jesus performing a miracle. This is a drawing of, of Jesus healing the paralytic. We read about that in, in John's Gospel. And, and what is fascinating, among other things, about this is the fact that as Jesus is depicted here, he is wearing the robes of a philosopher. You may recall that in our Colossians series, I mentioned that in the ancient world, often your clothes said a lot about you and your occupation or your background. And in this sense, as early Christians depicted Jesus, even in the course of healing, they depicted him as a great philosopher. And I think this this drawing reminds us that from the earliest days of Christianity, people realized, you know what, Christianity, it's not simply a set of doctrines. It's not simply something I do when I gather with other people. It is a way of life. It's a way of life grounded in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and we, of course, we enter this way of life through faith and trust in him. And it's a way of life now empowered by his spirit. It's a way of life that really enables us to see the world in a particular way and live accordingly. It really is a way that is the truly good life. It really is the way to live well. And so with that in mind, today we're going to begin a series entitled Live Well. And we're, we're going to really talk about the biblical vision for, for what it looks like to live well in four different areas, four different dimensions of our lives. What it looks like to live well relationally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And, and my invitation to you as we start this series is to use this series as an opportunity for self-diagnosis. I mean, as, as we discuss each of these areas of our lives, I'm, I really want to encourage you to ask two questions. I really want to encourage you to ask, first of all, you know, have I developed bad habits that I need to lose? Particularly over the last year and a half in you know, each of these areas as we talk about them. Have, you know, have I developed bad habits over the last year and a half? that I need to lose? And then secondly, you know, now as we're coming out of this, are there good habits in each of these areas that, that I need to, to develop? So um, those are questions I'm going to ask you to ask yourself as we go through this series. Now, in some ways, I think these questions actually flow out of the study that we just did 
in the book of Colossians. Remember, as Paul is talking about living out one's identity as a follower of Jesus, really living well, learning to live as followers of Christ, he says that there are going to be certain habits that you need to lose because they're inconsistent with your identity, and there are going to be certain habits that you need to develop or put on. So in a similar way, we're going to use that framework as we talk about what it looks like biblically to live well. So I really, uh, you know, my request, my challenge of you as we go through this series is just to be honest with yourself. It's, it's not about beating us, ourselves up, but just to kind of take inventory, take stock of where you're at right now after this year and a half, and just be honest as we talk about these different topics. Is okay, there are, are there some bad habits that I've picked up recently, and, and, and are there some good things that I need to implement to really move forward in a healthy way? So I really do hope that, that this series will, will foster those questions in your own life because I think this, this series can really be a reset for you in some positive ways. Now, as, as we start, we're going to talk about uh, thinking in terms of relationships, living well relationally. And I want you to know that in preparation for this series, I, I actually consulted with a group of mental health professionals in our church, and I really asked them to speak into each of these topics. So among other things, one of the things, one of the questions I asked was, well, what are some bad habits that we may have developed relationally, particularly during COVID? And not surprisingly, um, maybe the, the most common response was this, the, maybe the, <laughs> the most pressing bad habit that we may have developed over the last year and a half is, is isolation. And we, we have to recognize really in in many ways, at times, you know, this season really encouraged us to become isolated. It actually forced us to become isolated, right? I mean, at one point, we were, we were really in lockdown and quarantine. And, you know, even, even as we started to get out, we, we were behind masks. Uh, we were, <laughs> you know, intentional in avoiding getting close. We learned a new phrase, right? Social distancing. We never talked about that probably before this last year and a half. And, and, and even in the course of all that we've gone through, I think, you know, one of the fascinating things to me, for instance, is we've, we've really kind of lost the habit of shaking hands. In fact, I don't know, has this happened to you? I mean, I, I even now kind of find myself in awkward situations with people, you know, or, you know, should I shake their hand? Are they comfortable? And I've even kind of had situations where you, you kind of held my hand out and they're not shaking hands, or I presume they didn't want to shake my hand and then they hold out their, you know, the, just really those awkward moments that never never happened before so so really one of the one of the bad habits that we may have picked up in in this season has been the habit of isolation and as I interacted with these these mental health professionals they, they noted that um, you know isolation has led to higher levels of anxiety and depression I think they've also noted that it's become more common for us to avoid healthy interactions with people. So isolation, uh, among other things, is, may have been a bad habit that we have picked up or we've just become more isolated due to all these factors at work around us. Other habits that my colleagues mentioned included these. <laughs> Once again, they're probably not going to be surprising to you. Too much screen time. And then maybe the most interesting response I got was the habit of doom scrolling on Facebook, which I think means consuming endless amounts of unhealthy and fearful input on social media. 
Likewise, they talked about the fact that, you know, because we've gone through this season where we lost kind of our normal range of freedom and independence, uh, for many of us, this caused us to be just more angry and reactive in complicated situations. And so this has led to higher levels of conflict and relationships. Some of you have experienced this in workplace situations. You've experienced it here at church or in your family. So these are, these are just some of the things that we could say are potential bad habits that, that we've really picked up uh, over the last year and a half. And my guess is you, you may see yourself in some of what I've just shared, or if not, you, you probably observed it in your relationships with others. I mean, I've even been in you know, two situations in public where two strangers just got out, out of the blue got into some pretty vocal arguments about COVID mitigation, and you're like, I've just never seen this before in public. So these are some of the really the negative habits that, that we may have developed over uh, this last season. Now, you may have noticed this as a church, uh, but, you know, in our community as, as a body of believers, one of the ways we're responding to these realities is, is simply by giving you opportunities to connect. We're trying to be very intentional with that this summer, just creating space for people to connect or reconnect. And along those lines, it was just great last Sunday as we had a combined outdoor service followed by food trucks. It was just great to see people, new people, people hadn't, haven't seen in a while. Just, it was just great to see people hang out together. And along similar lines, I, I want to make sure you're aware that starting next Sunday, that is July 11th, we're going to have an elective offering uh, on Sunday mornings at both 9 and 10.30. It's entitled Seeing God at Work in the World. This is going to be an opportunity for you just to hear updates on kind of the ways God has been at work in other parts of the world. But it's also going to be a time to just interact and connect with other people because this it's not going to be just lectures. There's going to be some interaction time. So it is just a, a great opportunity to interact with other people in the church, maybe meet some people you've never met before. And we're going to be doing other things like that throughout the summer. But, but I, I want to underscore this. In kind of giving people opportunities to connect, it's, it's about more than just getting people together. I think it actually flows out of the biblical vision for living well. And here's a truth that we need to embrace. And the truth is this. If we are to take the work of God's spirit seriously, if we are to take this Christian way of life seriously, we have to take relationships seriously. To put it another way, to live well, I need to love well. And these are themes that are brought together really throughout the New Testament as the Bible unpacks the the biblical vision of living well. To show you what I mean, I I, want to just kind of briefly draw your attention to two passages from the letters of Paul. So if you have a Bible, you might want to join with me in turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, when I mention that passage, I'm sure um, many of you already know, you know the, the main content of that passage. It's, it's probably the most famous chapter in the Bible related to love. Uh, it's often <laughs> a passage read at uh, weddings, so you may have heard it at a wedding. It may have been read at your wedding. But here's something that's important to note about this passage, and that is this. We often think of, of 1 Corinthians 13 as kind of a standalone unit, a standalone section. But I think it's important to, to remember the broader context um, 
in which this passage occurs. Because here, here's, here's, here's the flow of 1 Corinthians, or at least part of the flow of 1 Corinthians. When we get to chapters, really, 13 and 14, Paul is, is dealing with a topic we sometimes refer to as the topic of uh, spiritual gifts. That is, he's talking about the fact that as, as followers of Christ, God's spirit, is, God's spirit is at work in our lives. And through his work, each of us have, have contributions to make to, the, to, his, to, to the life and mission of the church. All of, us, all of us are equipped as believers to participate in, in the life of the church community, to participate in God's ongoing mission. And furthermore, Paul argues that, you know, as this happens in the context of these relationships, God's spirit is actually at work. And in the context of these relationships, as as we kind of use what God has given us for the sake of mission, for the life of our church, in the context of that, it's, it's actually contributing to the growth of others. So he's talking about that in chapters 13 and 14, and right in the middle of that, as part of this conversation, he puts this chapter on love. Because what Paul wants us to see is, that is, he's talking about you know, what service looks like and how, how a church is to be built up, how people are to mature. He wants us to understand that love needs to be central to how we exercise our gifts. Love needs to be central to all of our service in the context of relationships. And so that means this. This famous chapter in 1 Corinthians isn't simply a powerful description of love. It's also a reminder in light of the context that the Spirit intends to be at work in our relationships. Right? It's God's plan that our relationships with each other are to be places where he is at work for our good, building us up so that more and more we reflect the character of Christ, right? Building us up so that more and more we really begin to flourish according to God's design. So with that in mind, just kind of keep that in mind, right? That Paul has this vision of church community where we're, where we're, we're all equipped in different ways to make a contribution. And he says all of those contributions need to be made and motivated by love. That, that really needs to be the common denominator in the way different people are at work serving and involved and relating to one another. So with that in mind, um, listen to these famous words from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship uh, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Once again, notice he's talking about the importance of love in, in the context of serving, in the context of using the gifts and abilities that we have. And then he says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Now, I think one, one of the realities of seeing this powerful chapter that's talking about love in the broader context, right, of how the church community is to operate, in, in the broader context of the fact that, that you and I, we've been, we've been equipped as followers to make a contribution, to participate, to be involved, and whatever that looks like, it needs to involve love. I think, I think one of the broader implications of seeing this chapter in that context is this. This becomes a reminder to me that, that I'm not intended to grow up in Christ in isolation. You see, one of, one of the underlying assumptions of this section of, of, of Scripture is that we're, we're equipped differently and each of us um, have contributions to make and therefore there's an interdependency that needs to be at work in Christian community. And, and so that means that I, 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 I'm, I'm to be both a giver and a receiver of, of this kind of love. The goal is not to be some super Christian that has it all figured out so that I can handle all of life on my own. That's not the expectation that is presented in 1 Corinthians. What's presented here is, is the idea that growing up, maturing in Christ also involves growing up in the context of, of relationships with others. I mean, Paul emphasizes love because love is what it takes for, for us to help each other grow. We've got different contributions to make in relationships, but love is the common denominator in which together we can help each other grow. So love is what it takes for me to live well. Now, maybe you've kind of grown up with the mindset that, you know, if, if I'm going to mature in Christ, whatever, however you envision that, that means that I'm going to become this kind of person that can do all of life on my own. To be mature in Christ is to be able to handle everything that comes my way. And, and if that's the case, will you, will you let this passage challenge your thinking? Because the, that kind of thinking, that this is all of, you know, that, well, Christian life, living well is all about being a super Christian that can handle everything on my own. That kind of thinking uh, leads to isolation. It leads just to the, the, the thought that I just, I just don't need other people in my life. And as we've already acknowledged it, isolation can be a dangerous place. In fact, this is, here's one of the spiritual consequences of isolation, and I think it's this. Isolation heightens my limitations. Isolation heightens my limitations. You see, when, when I'm isolated, I'm, I'm not benefiting from the input of others. I'm not, I'm not really benefiting from the strengths that they can bring to my situation. I'm, I'm not at times benefiting just from the support that I need, you know, the prayers, the encouragement, the counsel. And over time, what that will do, if I'm isolated, is this. Isolation will put me in situations where my limitations are exposed. Because as we see here, you know, we are never intended to do this alone. So I encourage you to ask, particularly as we come out of COVID, to say, you know, over the last, over the last year, over the last year, year and a half, have I developed certain bad relational habits that I need to lose, bad habits 
like isolation. Now, if you, if you see the reality of certain negative habits in your life, like isolation, or, or maybe you see the fact that I've, I've become more volatile or reactive in relationships, what are some positive steps that we can take um, to move forward? Clearly, the Apostle Paul argues, uh, you know, we're to be in relationship with one another. Uh, and, and this leads really to one other passage that, that I want to take you to that I think really helps us think about what it can look like to move forward in a healthy way. And that passage is Galatians 5. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Galatians 5. And uh, as you turn there, let me just give you a little additional feedback that I got from the mental health professionals that I was interacting with in our church. Because I, I not only asked them about, you know, what are some negative habits that we need to lose, I also said, well, what are some positive habits that we might need to be developing? And uh, the overwhelming response was simply, and this isn't surprising, we need to be intentional in engaging others. We need to be intentional in, in building into relationships. Once again, this is part of the reason that, that we have really tried to foster during the summers opportunities for you to connect or opportunities for you to reconnect. And also, as they gave me feedback, here was another theme I heard. In, in, in being intentional in relationships, they said, you know what, you need, you need to find one or two people that you can be really transparent with. It doesn't have to be a large group of people, but they really do, that really, you really need to be healthy relationally, to develop positive relational habits. You, you need at least one or two people that you can actually be transparent with. And interestingly, as, as I read their responses, it it really took me personally back to Galatians 5 and 6 because this is some of the same counsel that the Apostle Paul gives. So picking up towards the end of Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes, uh, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load." Now, there's a lot stated here, so let me just highlight a couple of things for you. First, notice this interesting phrase, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's, right, it's a rather unusual phrase, and maybe we can kind of wrestle at times with what does that mean. Perhaps for some, it's, it's, it's about pursuing supernatural experiences. However, I think what, what Paul is doing here, he is saying, look, if, if, we're, if we are to live this life uh, that is empowered by the Spirit, we need to align ourselves, we need to align our lives with how the Spirit works. And I mean, uh, among other things, he works through the truth of the gospel, he works through scripture. In some ways, these are alluded to earlier in the book of Galatians. Uh, but he also works in the context of relationships. In fact, notice that right after Right after Paul talks about right, keeping in step with the Spirit, aligning our lives with how the Spirit works, he, he, he then really moves into relational themes, right? 
negatively, he says, let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Then you get to the beginning of chapter 6, and he says, here's some positive things that we need to do in relationships, right? Positive uh, relational commands. He talks about kind of correcting someone who has, um, you know, kind of gotten off track. And I think this includes working under are working through conflict well. And by the way, when he, when he says, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently, it's not like he's talking only to some group of spiritual elite. He, he presumes that all of us as Christians should be able to do that. So there's this sense of kind of working through hard places, even being willing to confront at times or raise issues with people that seem to be getting off track. Paul actually describes earlier in this book what that looks like as he talks about his own relationship with Peter. But then he also talks about... Um, carrying each other's burdens and he says and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ and I think this can include a variety of things it can include uh, prayer it can include encouragement financial support other forms of support counsel friendship I mean when I think about carrying one another's burdens I think about my own live love lead group and we're all in kind of a similar stage of life and kind of gone through different things and just the fact that that I'm not alone in, in some of the challenges that come as, you know, a, a parent of young adults and, and this season of life, and I'm, I'm learning from the experience of the other people in that group. So there's a real sense in which I feel like at times we're really carrying one another's burdens in that group. And Paul says in doing that, and as you adopt this way of life, you're, you're fulfilling the law of Christ, which I think is simply a way of saying you're living out the vision of a Christian way of life. Now, as he says all of this, um, I think there really is, there's an underlying expectation that we need to acknowledge. Because for this to happen, right, I mean, to kind of be willing to engage people at times in hard conversations, to be able to really carry one another's burdens well, we, we have to know one another. And this requires, it requires transparency. Now, in some ways, this, this was easier in the ancient world um, because particularly in ancient cities, your, your life was just lived with other people. Uh, there was little space, little time for privacy and isolation. We have actually today in our culture, we just have much more opportunity to live privately, to live separately, to live in isolation than would have ever been the case in the ancient world. So as Paul is casting this vision of living well with the understanding that, you know, this is one of the places where the spirit works. If we're going to take God's spirit seriously and what he wants to do in our lives, we're going to take this Christian way of life seriously. We, we also have to take relationships seriously. And, and so, uh, Paul, that theme echoes through Galatians here as well. And, and the expectation here is that at least in some relationships, not all relationships, but at least in some relationships, there needs to be, you know, a good level of transparency. So maybe my question to you, let's kind of just bring this home a little bit, is this. Are there any relationships in your life where transparency is present? Are there any relationships in your life where transparency is present? Now, please hear me. I understand this is where this can really get sticky, right? This is where this can really get hard. Because the truth is, some of you are thinking right now, George, here's the deal. 
Um, when we talk about transparency, we're also talking about trust. And, and, and maybe you would say, you know what? I've, I've, had, I've had relationships in church where trust was violated. I know that's the experience of some of you, and frankly, it's been the experience of some of you here. You say, you know what? I, I've just been burned. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I would say this. If that's been your experience, please understand. Hear me when I say this. You know what? As a pastor... I know what it's like to be burned in church. Likewise, um, you might say, you know what, George? I've, I've tried some of, of this and really building into relationships and, and you know, this vision of uh, as, as we build into other people, we're trying to do it in love and, and to do it transparently. I've, I've tried, but you know what? At times, George, when I tried to be helpful, when I've really tried to stand in the gap for other people or carry their burden, at times, it feels like they've just taken advantage of my generosity. Um, maybe you say, it just, it's just felt like I've been used. And you know what? If, if that's your experience, yes, that, that happens too. And interestingly, I, I, think, I think Paul is, <laughs> is aware of the fact that this stuff can get messy. I mean, he's, he's had that in his own life in relating to multiple churches, and we see this in his letters. So it, it's interesting, for instance, that um, he even says, you know, even as you're, as you're kind of building into and at times working through hard situations with other people or even confronting them, watch yourselves or you too uh, may be tempted. In other words, you need to understand the importance of handling these relationships well. Furthermore, while he talks about carrying one another's burdens, right, he also later talks about, well, you need to carry your own load. And that may seem to be, wait a minute, you just said this, but now you're saying that. But I think what he's getting at is don't use the support of others as an excuse for irresponsibility. Don't just expect others to do what you should be doing. And so the, I think the idea is this. You know what? I need to be carrying my own burden. But I also need to realize, you know, at times that's going to get really heavy. <laughs> and there are going to be particular times where I need somebody else to carry that with me. And likewise, I, I need to be in relationships, not necessarily with a huge group of people, but at least with some people, where I'm going to be attuned to the fact that sometimes they're going to need some help too in carrying that. So that as, as we are moving forward, we just, we just realize, you know what, we're in this together. That all along the way, I realize I'm not alone. So yes, I, you know what, I think Paul is aware that this gets really messy. When we kind of try to embrace this biblical vision that God's spirit intends to work in the context of relationships and it motivates us to love and investing in others and transparency, but at times it gets complicated. And, and we, did, we need to acknowledge that. I think Paul's aware that it gets messy. Paul's aware that, you know, trust needs to be built over time. And, and at times this includes learning to develop healthy boundaries. The truth is at times we hurt each other and we have to ask for forgiveness. At times we have to work through conflict and have hard conversations. All of this is part of transparency in relationships. And it, it's going to be awkward at times. 
But in the midst of this, in the midst of this, don't, don't lose sight of God's design. Don't, don't lose sight of the biblical vision. Don't lose sight of the reality that, you know, to live well, we need to love well. Don't lose sight of the truth that if, if I take Christianity seriously, if I take the work of his spirit seriously, then I have to take relationships seriously. So that really brings me to two final questions um, that I want to leave you with as you think about, you know, developing healthy habits. I mean, there are a lot of ways we could have gone in talking about this, but I just want to leave you with two questions. As you think about, not only, you know, are there some negative things that I need to lose, but are there some healthy things that I need to develop? And as you think about that, I I just want to leave you with these two questions. First of all, at times, at times, who helps you carry your burden? Is there someone that comes to mind immediately? At times, who helps you carry your burden? And secondly, at times, whose burden do you help carry? See, that's just a healthy relational pattern of being the kind of person in relationships such that other people can help carry my burden and I can help carry theirs. Paul says that's part of the biblical vision for living well. Let's pray together. Gracious God, particularly as we think about this topic of transparency, I I pray that we would really wrestle with this. As, as we have all experienced, the last year and a half has just made it easy to become isolated or just more irritable and angry. And, and those aren't healthy patterns to really build into one another well. And yet your vision moves us in a different direction. But for that to be the case, um, it, there has to be transparency. There has to be transparency, at least in some of our relationships, so that we're not in this alone. And I pray we would, we would just wrestle with what that can look like in a healthy way. Because, Father, right now the truth is some of us are probably carrying some really healthy, heavy stuff, and we are not carrying it by ourselves. And if that's the case, we're, we're not really living in step with your spirit. So I, I pray that we would wrestle with, okay, so what does, what does this really look like? to be in relationships that at times other people can carry my burden and and at times I can help them carry theirs. I pray that that's just going to lead to some good reflection and good conversation. I pray that it can lead to healthy healthy conversation in our our group environments as we talk about what this looks like to, to really embrace this biblical vision of relating well together. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us for this service. I encourage you to really wrestle with these questions as we go through this series of, you know, have I picked up some bad habits? Are there good habits that I need to develop? And I really want to encourage you to think about what transparency looks like, at least in a handful of the relationships in your life, so that you're not trying to do this on your own, but rather you're choosing to live according to the biblical vision of living well. Amen.